Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. I don't see why we have to cut those jokes, Gavin. I mean, they were perfectly fine in eighth grade when I learned them. Ass. The following podcast contains... Oh! Won't somebody please think of the children! Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you as an old white dude decided you knew best for women's bodies, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, May 17th, 2019, you gotta keep them impregnated edition of the show where we talk about keeping women barefoot and pregnant like Republican Jesus intended. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Are You Thinking podcast is brought to you by the Vasectomy Hut. When you need to get snipped quick, call Vasectomy Hut. Our doctors specialize in quick, clean nut cuts in under an hour. No more waiting to get around to get your vast deference done. Come into the hut and walk out baby free. Why should women bear the brunt of pregnancy prevention when Vasectomy Hut has a quick, easy, bloodless, and nearly pain-free process for the man on the go? No more worries about pulling out. No more unexpected bundles of joy showing up for child support. Two little snips and you can live a life free of worry and expense. When you need to get a vasectomy done on the run, come to Vasectomy Hut and get it done. Ask about our combo vasectomy circumcision special when you also want a little off the top. Pro-life conservatives are obsessed with a fetus from conception to nine months. After that, they don't want to know about you. They don't want to hear from you. No nothing. No neonatal care, no daycare, no Head Start, no school lunch, no food stamps, no welfare, no nothing. If you're pre-born, you're fine. If you're preschool, you're fucked. <laughs> you're fucked. Conservatives don't give a shit about you until you reach military age. Then they think you are just fine, just what they've been looking for. Conservatives want live babies so they can raise them to be dead soldiers. <laughs> pro-life. Pro-life. These people aren't pro-life, they're killing doctors. What kind of pro-life is that? What, they'll do anything they can to save a fetus, but if it grows up to be a doctor, they just might have to kill it? <laughs> they're not pro-life. You know what they are? They're anti-woman. Simple as it gets. Anti-woman. They don't like them. They don't like women. They believe a woman's primary role is to function as a broodmare for the state. I was 10, maybe 11 when I got the talk. You know the talk. The birds and the bees. Sex. It was in the cab of my grandfather's pickup truck, which my dad and I were driving to the dump, which is what one does when one is in a pickup truck. I'm not at all sure why my dad decided this was the time for the talk but it probably had something to do with the bee. Well, it wasn't actually a bee, it was a yellow jacket wasp, a homicidally vindictive insect that stings because it hates with pure and an unholy passion. And it stung the shit out of me. So with me crying and huddled on the floor of the truck, the sounds of Conway Twitty playing on the radio, dad decided it was the proper time, and I was in the proper frame of mind, to learn about sex. Oh, sure, that makes sense, that makes sense. It does when you think about it from his perspective. And his perspective was simple. 
He didn't want me to have any. So he chose the time and place to provide instruction best optimized to sear the association of sex in a negative moment in my life so that I would be terrified of the entire idea for years to come. Did it work? Oh, indeed it did. Every time I thought about sex for years, I flashed back to intense pain, shame, disgust, and Conway Twitty. Sure, for some people, this might have induced a weird kink for pain and pompadours. Hello, darling. Nice to see you. It's been a long time. You're just as lovely. But I'm a pretty vanilla kind of guy. So it kept my mind out of the gutter well into my late teens. Part of this indoctrination was about the sin involved in sex before marriage. I mean, there was the generic sin of sex in general, but this was in 1979. There was this big, big sin that was on the minds of people like my dad, and that was the sin of abortion. Monster! You monster! You see, if I committed the lesser sin of knocking up a girl, then the one thing I could never, ever do was allow my bastard child to be aborted by the harlot who seduced me into this fornication. God could forgive me the sex so long as I married the seducing harlot, but abortion was unforgivable. It was murder, and therefore as bad as shooting someone in a bank robbery or voting for Jimmy Carter. And it didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense to me at the time. Now look, the last thing the world needs is a Damn, I'm an old white guy. Going on and on about his views on abortion, by which mean I mean my dad, and I mean me even though we clearly have some different views on the matter. I mean, I've never knocked anyone up accidentally or even intentionally. You know, that whole Conway Twitty thing, people. So I've been really careful about where my nut is busted. Oh, so evolved. And I've always considered the matter to be one of those things that clearly are none of my fucking business. It should be legal, it should be safe, and it should definitely be someone else's problem. If, in the unlikely event, I ever accidentally slip one past the goalie, then I will do exactly what my unfortunate partner decides because she, and I cannot stress this enough, is the one that has to go through all the goddamn work of carrying our little bastard. In this regard, I consider myself to be... I am the perfect gentleman. And for the past 45 years... This has been the law of the land. Oh, well, it's a well good law. Yep. Most of you are probably familiar with the case that established the precedent, Roe versus Wade. In 1973, the Supreme Court decided in a 7-2 decision, quote, the court ruled that the due process clause of the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution provides a fundamental right to privacy that protects the pregnant woman's liberty to choose whether or not to have an abortion, while also ruling that the right is not absolute and must be balanced against the government's interest in protecting women's health and protecting prenatal life. The court resolved that this balancing test was by trying to state the regulation of abortion to three trimesters of pregnancy. The court ruled that the first trimester, governments could not prevent abortions. During the second trimesters, abortions still could not be prohibited, but governments could, quote, regulate the abortion procedure in ways that are reasonably related to maternal health, unquote. During the third trimester, abortions could be prohibited entirely, so long as the laws contained exceptions for causes when abortion was necessary to save the life of the mother. Because the court classified the right to choose and to have an abortion as a fundamental, the decision required courts to evaluate challenged abortion laws under the strict scrutiny standards, the highest level of judicial review in the United States, unquote. As you might imagine, this made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. 
Oddly enough, not just on the side of people like my dad, who think abortion is sinful, but also among proponents of legalized abortion, including none other than the notorious RBG herself. A movement against access to abortion for women grew up, flourished around a single target. And what was that target? It was nine unelected judges decide this question for the nation. It should be decided by the people's elected representatives, Mm -hmm. by the members of the state legislature. Mm -hmm. So the the backlash, I think there might have been a backlash in any case, but I think it took on steam Mm -hmm. because Roe v. Wade, unelected Supreme Court judges, that was the problem. And I think if, if we had gone first to the Texas law and then to another law that had restrictions you could knock out, mm-hmm. it might have had a different. I compared it to no-fault divorce. <laughs> in, in, within 10 years, that whole fight was over. It started out in this state, New York. The only ground for divorce was adultery. Right. And 10 years later, no-fault was was well accepted. Others criticize Roe for its language, which is so carefully worded that it leaves loopholes large enough to drive a bus through. Namely this, quote, the state, though the state cannot override the right, it has legitimate interest in protecting both the pregnant women's health and the potentiality of human life, each of which interest grows and reaches a compelling point at various stages in the woman's approach to the term. It's a little vague, Spock. By not settling the law on specific stages based on scientific consensus on viability, the court left Roe open to a death by a thousand cuts over the years, and abortion opponents have done just that. The conservative wing of this court has allowed increases in limitations and difficulties to be imposed on abortion providers and women seeking abortions, allowed anti-abortion activists broad latitude to intimidate doctors and patients, resulting in murders, by the way, of the doctors and the patients, too, if they could get their damn hands on them, and allowed the states to care, constantly innovate new ways to end run around Roe. Ginsburg might have been right. A slower, more methodical approach to legalization might have allowed the science and the public opinion to catch up with the law, much in the same way it did with gay marriage. Of course, you know, women would still be suffering and dying through those intervening years, which uh, I admit is not ideal. Now look, the anti-abortion folks have a plain and simple argument which they very much believe. Abortion is murder. Good point. Is it though? The Christian perspective, and 99% of the people who are against abortion are very Christian. Ironically enough, in the statistics, I gathered even more ironically from Focus on the Family, a notorious white green Christian group, just to the shade the left of the left of Attila the Hun when it comes to women's right. Quote, the church has connections with many women who choose abortion, CareNet research found. In a survey of 1,038 women who have had an abortion, 70% claim a Christian, Christian religious preference, and 43% report attending church monthly. Or, or more at the time of the abortion, unquote. So I guess the answer to that is... What would Jesus do? Well, I guess what he would do is drive his knocked-up girlfriend to the clinic. But still, the argument they posit is that life begins at conception, when the sperm reaches the eggs and fertilization occurs. At that magical moment, a human being is created. This is clearly bullshit. And I had never really thought about abortion at all. Again, see the B story and Conway Twitty, until I heard my mentor, George Carlin, explain it to me thusly. 
But even after the egg is fertilized, it's still six or seven days before it reaches the uterus and pregnancy begins. And not every egg makes it that far. Eighty percent of a woman's fertilized eggs are rinsed and flushed out of her body once a month during those delightful few days she has. <laughs> they wind up on sanitary napkins, and yet they are fertilized eggs. So basically what these anti-abortion people are telling us is that any woman who's had more than one period is a serial killer. I checked the math. I checked the science. George is right. So let's do the science, you and I. When does life begin? I'm going to skip past all the college freshman dorm room high talk because George taught me that life was, began about a billion years ago in its continuous process. So the better question is, when is a fetus viable? Which is a term that Roe v. Wade just basically made up. Doctors. Fucking doctor. The doctor can kill you. I who presumably know about this shit have a simple rule. They do some math. At 24 weeks, six months into the pregnancy, the chance of a fetus surviving outside the womb crosses 50%. Notice they say a survive. The long-term prognosis at this point is still not particularly great. Quote, although the incidence of major disabilities remain high at this point, neonatologists generally would not provide intensive care at 23 weeks, but would at 26 weeks. As of 2006, the two youngest children survived premature birth are thought to be 21 weeks, 5 days, and, tw and 21 weeks, 6 days. Both children were born just under 20 weeks from fertilization, or 22 weeks of gestation. At birth, the second child was 9 inches long and weighed 10 ounces. She suffered from digestive and respiratory problems together with a brain hemorrhage. She was discharged from Baptist Children's Hospital on 20 February 2007. As of 2013, she was in kindergarten and on the small end of the normal growth curve with some developmental delays, unquote, which is why the court set the upper limits for all of this at 24 weeks. And all of this made sense and it's been just generally accepted by rational people for nearly half a century. And then... Justice Anthony Kennedy, who was not in the least pro-abortion, but pro-common sense at least, he left the Supreme Court last year and the conservative majority now had a decent lock on the court, meaning every drippy dick motherfucker and the flyover began crafting draconian laws banning abortion, which came to fruition this week with a series of laws so grotesquely unconstitutional under Roe that there is no way in fuck that they will stand up to judicial rule review except for, you know, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh, who were put on the court, one in a stolen seat, and the other one likes to assault young women while shit-faced, to strike down Roe versus Wade and an outlaw abortion in the largest swath of the United States. This has made so many anti-abortion Christians come their pants that there are parts of Georgia and Kentucky ankle-deep in old white dude jizz. Dude, sick! Let's begin with the most recent bill in Alabama. Oh, excuse me, the most recent bill is in Missouri, which is a, basically a carbon copy of Alabama. From the New York Times, quote, The bill that the Republican-controlled legislature overwhelmingly approved would prevent abortions at every stage of pregnancy. It includes an exemption for cases where a woman's health is at risk. But lawmakers rejected a proposal to add exceptions for causes of rape or incest. Women who have abortions would not be prosecuted under the measure, but doctors could be charged with a felony and face up to 99 years in prison for performing this procedure, unquote. This is nearly a word-for-word -word copy of the law Roe struck down in 1973. It only adds provisions for prosecuting doctors so severely. Provisions that I might add are far more severe than the provisions for prosecuting the guy that rapes his 12-year-old daughter and gets her knocked up. 
Georgia passed what is known as a fetal heartbeat law that bans abortions after six weeks, long before most people even know they're pregnant, when the first fetal heartbeat can allegedly be detected. But, de- but Georgia sneakily goes further by declaring a fetus a person with full rights, including tax deductions. From Slate, quote, if fetuses are human for the purposes of Georgia law, then abortion, including self-termination, is murder. A woman who plans and carries out the termination of her own fetus, quote, caused the death of another human being, unquote, in violation of Georgia's murder statute. The penalty for this crime is life imprisonment or death. A woman who seeks out an illegal abortion from a provider may be party to the murder penalty, life in prison. A woman who causes her own miscarriage from drinking or drugs may have committed second-degree murder, penalty 10 to 30 years in prison. A woman who travels out of state to obtain a legal abortion may have engaged in conspiracy to commit murder, penalty 10 years in prison. Absolutely nothing in HB 481 clarifies that the act of killing a human being does not constitute murder when that human is a fetus. To the contrary, the law erases the legal distinctions between humans and fetuses, unquote. You heard that right. If a woman travels to a state where abortion is legal, has an abortion, and comes back to Georgia, she can go to jail for 10 years. Man, that is fucked up. I could list all the states that have laws going through their own legislatures or, hell, have laws that automatically ban ban abortions the second row is overturned, but do I need to? You already know which ones they are. Some of you live in them. But before long, abortion will be illegal in two-thirds of the nation, and it will take a constitutional amendment to actually change this. That's not going to happen. You really have to hand it to anti-abortion activists. They did the work, and they did it with a single-minded obsession that, honestly, I wish we could harness to fight climate change. People like my parents were willing to put aside everything to vote consistently against their own self-interest to put the most incompetent leaders in political office they could find all to arrive at this moment, and it worked. It will be interesting to see what happens to conservatives when they finally catch this car they've chased for so long. Will they turn it into a crusade for other things they want, like abolishing gay marriage or forcing prayer in school? Or will they splinter into factions without a single unifying issues and end up like we are on the left? None of this helps women in the short term. It's a thought exercise about the near future. Now, I predict they splinter because beyond hating abortion, most religious fundamentalists hate other sects of religions almost as much as the heathen religions like Catholicism and Mormonism. It's going to be fun to watch it. Again, it, it won't help women in the least. Laws like Alabama's sweeping ban are not probably, well, they're probably not going to be the one to kill Roe. Even Georgia's heartbeat law will likely be too large a pill for the court to swallow. Chief Justice John Roberts' preferred strategy is to slowly erode a women's right to choose over time, allowing the public to become more comfortable with stripping constitutional protections protections from women incrementally. The hard right cadre of the court, Thomas and Alito, are more likely to press for a total ban, leaving the final call in the hands of Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, both of them who solemnly told the Senate and the American people that they respect precedent and that Roe v. Wade is, quote, settled law, unquote. Yeah, that's it, ticket. Dahlia Lithwick wrote in Slate about Robert's dilemma, Why then do I feel sorry for John Roberts? 
because what keeps the Supreme Court in business is often the polite subterfuge of complex legal doctrine. We don't so much suppress minority votes as protect the dignity of the states. We don't so much enable dark money to corrupt elections as to mute free speech. And we don't so much as punish women for bearing children as celebrate God and babies. This is all the kind of democracy-suppressive language that justices can get behind. It's why Americans don't riot in the streets. It's easiest to swallow when courts pretend to be a bit more human than they are, while what are essentially unvarnished religious arguments get dressed up in platitudes about patient care, informed consent, maternal information, and solicitude for mothers in distress. It's easier to pretend that every fertilized egg is a person if one also pretend acknowledges that every mother is a person as well. But legislators in Ohio who insist that an 11-year-old rape victim has no legal autonomy or dignity, and legislators in Georgia who insist, insist that women can be investigated and charged with murder for their miscarriages, and legislators in Alabama who bragged that they would disregard the interest of rape victims for now because it would get this legislation before the Supreme Court sooner, have, in their zeal for godliness, an exigent court review accidentally dispensed with these polite pretexts. They are openly saying now that the things that will make it very difficult for John Roberts, institutionalists, and Brett Kavanaugh, girls basketball coach, to embrace. America should end Roe versus Wade not because abortions should be safer or offered alongside better information, but because every woman who suffers an unwanted pregnancy is bad and her baby is good, and that such a woman would should be punished and made to suffer for her sins. It is the exact sentiment Donald Trump accidentally blurted out in the 2016 campaign before he was told that preserving the pretext is everything, unquote. The goal of every Republican politician and fundamentalist Christian leader is nothing less than erasing every inch of progress since the new fucking deal. They want to ensure that white men remain firmly ensconced at the top of the social, economic, and political pyramid. They want to force religious homogeneity on America. They see women as subservient to men and a direct threat to men. They need to keep women as second-class citizens because if they do not, then the others, like black people, will get crazy ideas that maybe they ought to have rights as well. They want to couch this as a moral issue, but it's not. It's about power, and they know they are a generation away from having none, so they must force these issues now to retain any kind of power at all because in 50 years they will be obsolete and on the verge of extinction. Overturning Roe is their final cast of the dice and if they win they gain years of relevance and power. Don't let their bullshit fool you. GOP politicians and even fundamentalist leaders give two fucks about the unborn. I honestly don't know how this plays out. Maybe John Roberts will jump on the grenade for the good of the institution of the court and strike down these laws, but it's equally possible he says fuck it and blows it all up. Either way, it's only a matter of time unless we win back the White House and the Senate in 2020. Souter and Ginsburg are not young and they can't hang on forever. And if we let Donnie Dinky Dick stay in power, he will be replacing them with someone who will definitely take down Roe. So it might be a good idea to vote for whoever the fuck shakes out of the primary and vote like they're the second coming of Roosevelt because we are literally on the precipice of losing Roe and a whole bunch of other rights protected by the Supreme Court rulings. Because one of the, once the genie is out of the bottle on Roe, there's nothing that stops the fundy hate. Mark my words, pod friends. So, what can we do about it? Jack and shit. And Jack left town. 
Yeah, probably when it happens, people will get mad and they'll take to the streets, but nothing short of forming barricades and dragging Republicans into squares on tumbrils will change anything. And I want to say, oh, we can organize, we can march, we can make politicians listen, but that's all stuff we should have been done doing years ago. We are here because the left got complacent, we got so factional and fighting each other, just like we're doing now in the months leading up to the primaries in 2020, while the right got tight, focused like a fucking laser on their goals. So we got to rip pages from their p- fucking prayer books and focus like a laser on our goals. We have to win in 2020 and win big. Then we have to balance the court. Hopefully there will be something to salvage by the time we get the chance. And we need to get focused on passing the Equal Rights Amendment that folds abortion as health care into the amendment. It's a long and hard pull, but it needs to be done. Otherwise, women should go out and start shopping for some nice red dresses and lovely white hats because the fundies and the GOP won't stop until they put you in them. That is it for our show this week. This has not been a fun or funny show, but I feel as though I can save it with a big purple vein dick joke from my other mentor, Bill Hicks. You know what that means? I have wiped entire civilizations off of my chest. (laughs) With a gray gym sock. is special. (laughs) Entire nations have flaked and crusted in the hair around my navel. That was totally apropos of nothing. I just wanted to pull the nose up on this negativity train. Speaking of negativity, rate and review the show wherever you find it so other people can listen to the weekly slow motion derailment that is this podcast. All of my pedantic rants are on Twitter at the hell underscore podcast and each and every bad idea and ill-conceived notion that I've ever recorded can be found on SoundCloud at the show name and on whatthehellpodcast.com. So for me, Dave, I did not make one tasteless abortion joke this entire show, Bledsoe, producer. He made 12, but I edited them out, Gavin, and all the fictional dudes hanging outside the clinics trying to pick up chicks on the show. We want to say, there are just no fun songs about abortion. We looked, and so we settled on this one and the tasteless show title. We'll see you all next week. for this, so I take a small bow.
Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.